MSW Media. This week, Judge Brett Kavanaugh was confirmed as a Supreme Court Justice. In the wake of that defeat, Democrats have begun to debate and dissect how that defeat could have been prevented. As Republicans adopt aggressive tactics and shatter well-established norms in the age of Trump, should Democrats change their tactics to fight fire with fire? Should they do so even if it violates norms that should be respected? In particular, should the Democrats have been more aggressive in attacking the limited FBI investigation at Kavanaugh? Let's get on topic. Welcome to On Topic, a weekly in-depth look at a topic that helps us understand the week's news. My name is Renato Mariotti. I'm a former federal prosecutor, a practicing lawyer, and a CNN legal analyst. And I'm joined by my friend Patty Vasquez, a comedian and WGN radio host who joins us regularly on this podcast. So, Patty, this week... Uh, obviously, we had huge news, the confirmation of Judge Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court. A lot of very upset people on the Democratic side of the aisle. And I think a lot of finger pointing. Uh, people uh, blaming one person or another. There's been some people, for example, blaming Michael Avenatti for the client that he brought forward. There's been people who have blamed Democrats in the Judiciary Committee for not being aggressive enough. Um, I will tell you my 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 initial reaction to it is that yes, it, it's a lot easier to win when you have more votes. And so as a practice, really? uh, yeah, I, I think someone got more votes and still lost somehow a yeah, couple years ago. <laughs> that seemed to have been weird. That's true. But I think, you know, it, really, from my perspective, the real reason that the Democrats lost this is because they had 49 Senators and the Republicans at 51, and that pretty much carried the day here. The Republicans lost a senator, the Democrats lost a senator, and ultimately it, it was very much a party line vote. And I, I really wonder, you know, there's a lot of finger finger pointing here, but sure. I really wonder how whether or not you know this result would have essentially occurred no matter what the Democrats did. Well, I think that the Democrats, you know, obviously saw this as a very strong battle to wage. Right once once they geared up, and <laughs> uh, you know went through what uh, Dr. Blasey Ford was going to talk about. I'm not sure at what point the Democrats went. Oh, this is going to this this could rally our base, right? This mm-hmm. could be something that leads us into the the midterms. And you know, well, we I hope we'll learn who leaked the the letter, right? Who first leaked this? You know, I don't know if we'll ever know how long what the process was like making the decision to hold on to it, not to investigate sooner, not to make it part of the process uh, before ultimately. What I think the problem was that it was too late, right? Was bringing her forward and then initially initiating the FBI investigation into her testimony. Uh, that seems to be, I mean, I we'll never know if it had been done earlier, if it would have had any impact. Obviously, she had to make some personal decisions. She had to weigh that. But the, the Republicans have been masterful at turning this completely around and making Democrats seem like crybabies, making it seem as though they orchestrated this. They have used every instance of this to their, uh, to their benefit, no doubt about it. I mean, even the fact that the president could stand in front of a rally and say and make fun of her and taunt her which ultimately i don't i don't think people realize that that is really also assaulting 
survivors of sexual abuse again was what he did and his base loved it they're rallying behind it and so I, I don't know how democrats step up to something like this i, I really I, when you say that all bets are off i don't even know what the bets were anymore <laughs> i really i don't know where the line is at all and i don't know that democrats are ready to rise to that level or lower themselves actually to go beneath that bar you know, I, I don't know whether or not Trump's comments were very effective in getting votes in the Senate. I mean, they may have been no. effective, effective in exciting well, people in Mississippi where he was. Lindsey Graham was the one that I think really kind of solidified anything that was mm-hmm. going to happen with those votes inside the Senate. I agree with you on that. Yeah. I don't know if Flake was for show. I don't know if that was, you know, something he wants to be able to hang his hat on later. I have no idea. But yeah, I mean, I guess what I would say is from my perspective, what I saw were Senate Democrats for for months now pretty disciplined from what I could see in their messaging on this nomination, making Kavanaugh the most important issue on their side of the aisle, um, prioritizing it over a number of other things that they could have been focusing on. I mean, they could have taken the view that this Trump was going to get a nominee through anyway, we, that Democrats probably weren't going to flip the Senate anyway, so let's focus on more winnable battles. I mean, that they could have had that perspective. They didn't. Um, they, they, they were very aggressive in questioning him. Um, Some people don't think that they were aggressive enough. And I know you and I have talked about whether or not he perjured himself or some of the things that he talked about. We, we've discussed this about the emails that he got. That he didn't necessarily steal them, but they weren't actually his. There was never really enough there. We talked to experts who said that he was his record was, was pretty good, you know. And, mm-hmm. and so it's, it, it is, you know, whether or not they, they decided to wage this battle fiercely enough before Dr. Blasey Ford, the timing of it was it, this, it did not work in their favor. Right. Now, there's certainly been a lot of debate about what they could have done once the allegations came forward. It, you know, for obvi- one thing, for example, there was this FBI investigation. We, you know, we learned today uh, Mitch McConnell came forward and said that all of the Republican members of the judiciary got together with Murkowski and Collins, the two of the swing vote Republicans, and they decided together what the scope of the FBI investigation would be, and then presumably that was communicated to the White House, and that ultimately became the scope of the investigation. Now, you could have seen the Democrats taking much more aggressive tact on that. One thing that was challenging for Democrats on that front was this was not a criminal investigation. It was a background check. It, so that, you know, automatically is going to be constrained by whatever leads are, the FBI is being instructed to follow. And Democrats were trying to obscure that um, distinction between criminal investigation and background check. Um, but by not making that clear, they were kind of they, they, they were their messaging was, hey, let's see what the FBI has to say and they're going to say something. And then when it came back and there wasn't a lot for them to talk about. Then they kind of looked like, well, he had been vindicated by an FBI investigation. And the, the another nature of that was the FBI uh, reports were not released. And so it was all in the eye of the beholder. Republicans could say it all helped Kavanaugh. Maybe it did. Maybe it didn't. But no one will ever see the the um you know the reports to to know why whether or not that was the case and this is again where where republicans have been have been dominant in the messaging because they have made it sound as though even even in the words that she used right when dr blasey ford testified 
uh, you know, she talked about who was there, and they and Kavanaugh in his testimony said, well, you know, they said they did they that they weren't there or they it didn't happen, but that wasn't what the answers were from those people who might have been at that party. It was, I don't remember it. I don't know her. That's different than it didn't happen. I know it didn't happen. That, those are different things altogether. But that's what, when you look at the way people react to this conversation, they say, well, it wasn't, in, you know, those people said that it didn't happen. They weren't at the party. They have also, just like Sessions did when he was testifying to be the attorney general, I don't recall, I don't remember. And that seems to suffice for him, but not for the people who might have cooperated her her testimony, right? And and people have also used the records from her therapist, saying his name was never <clears throat> it was never used or isn't in the records. And that's that's not that's not something that that confirms nor denies the uh, the truth. And uh, that's been they have really cornered the market on making it seem as though she made this up. That the Democrats have really ginned this whole thing up. That it's a witch hunt by making it seem as though she's out there on her own. And, and again, with this FBI investigation, the questioning, we have no idea who they talked to, what the results of that w- were, and we never will. Well, one thing I will say as somebody who is a, uh, a person who's cross-examined witnesses for a living, I, I don't think that senators are generally very good questioners of witnesses. Oh, and obviously, there were so many things I wanted them to say. I, I like, bet. Oh, come on. I'm like, uh, I, do, I have, do I have Booker's text number? Can I <laughs> send him some questions? I bet. And I will say, um, you know, look, they're politicians, so they're going to give little speeches and waste Ugh. time on that. Um, they're not going to be able to control a witness, to use a, a term that trial lawyers use. They're not. They're going to have trouble following up when the when the witness tries to sidestep their questions. You know, and they were dealing with a witness there who was aggressive in dealing with them. So, look, they certainly didn't do as well as a professional trial lawyer would have done. You know, but that is, uh, to me, that's almost judging them on an unfair scale. Sure. I think, to me, the more interesting question is, and this was posed, for example, um, by Matthew Miller on Twitter, mm-hmm. is should the FBI... Um, have been attacked by Democrats. Should Democrats have done what Trump did and say, you know, Christopher Ray is an associate of 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 um, Kavanaugh's? Kavanaugh's. Uh-huh. Rosenstein is an associate of Kavanaugh's. They're friends with him. Rosenstein even came to his hearing. These men should recuse themselves. These men shouldn't be overseeing the investigation. There's reason to believe that they're going to slant the investigation in favor of Kavanaugh. You know, the the the, uh, the Democrats could have tried to demand that, you know, that the FBI release the reports. They, there was no real demand for that. The Democrats could have, for example, said that they were going to investigate the FBI investigation, you know, if they took control of the House. None of that uh, happened. And it's interesting because that is very much out of the Republican playbook of what they did with the Clinton email investigation. Now what they're doing with the uh, Trump Russia investigation. But Democrats seem to bend, to bend over backwards because they don't want to smack of anything that might be Republican. I mean, look at the way Al Franken stepped down without there even being an investigation who, and by the way, was demanded of him by Senator Collins without a hearing, without an investigation, she demanded that he stepped down. And, And when I called Dick Durbin's office to ask why they were, making him do that they're like well you know we have to draw the line the republicans are getting away with so much that was what dick durbin's office told me was that well we've got to you know we've got to make sure that we have all of our uh you know our 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 appearances and it doesn't seem as though we're playing by different rules the democrats do not want to they don't want to play dirty 
and and I don't know I don't know what and and when they do it it comes across as being like like Maxine Waters right when she said don't let them uh, have meals uh, in peace you know go after them in public like that's a kind of like sort of uh, Republican type warfare that they're trying to do and it doesn't it doesn't work for us it always comes back for I mean for Americans it doesn't work for us the way it's working right now. So, well, f- first of all, regarding the, the FBI d- difference, I mean, one thing, though, you might want to think about on the other side is, is it the right thing to do mm-hmm. to politicize an FBI investigation that, by all accounts, is being conducted by FBI agents in an appropriate fashion? Wouldn't it be more honest to say that the White House or the Senate Republicans or whoever are giving instructions to the FBI, which I did on Twitter and elsewhere? Right. It, wouldn't that be more appropriate um, than to attack the FBI itself? Isn't it? There's something wrong about that. And I think, um, you know, Matthew Miller and others would say uh, that, no, you know, it, you've got to do what you got to do. And you can't, you know, de- de- Republicans are politicizing the FBI. If Democrats don't do it, the, the FBI is never going to respond to to them um, you know, playing by the rules. Well, is it also possible that Democrats feel as though the, the the president continually tries to delegitimize the FBI in their investigation under under Mueller? And if they do that, then we, I don't know. I don't, honestly, I don't know the logic behind any of this, but maybe they're like, well, later on, we don't want the president to say, well, even the Democrats of the FBI doesn't do their job or that they can't be unbiased. Well, one thing I will tell you, Patty, is somebody I really care about the rule of law I care about the Justice Department and the FBI. I worked in the Justice Department and with the FBI for many years. I don't want it to be the case that both sides initiate politicized investigations of the other side whenever the other whenever they're in power and use the FBI and the DOJ as a political tool to abuse the legal system for their own political gain. And I don't I'm worried that Republicans are starting to get us in a path, particularly with you know, Trump has really taken this to a new level of, ur- of, of, of urging publicly that the FBI do things that are inappropriate or un- unethical for political reasons. And if Democrats play the same game, aren't they effectively ratifying? And what I mean by that is they're effectively saying that that's, there's something okay about doing that. I agree. I agree completely. I mean, look at what Comey tried to do when he made the, you know, those those public appearances, those, had those press conferences about uh, about Hillary Clinton, whether it was the, uh, uh, you know, whether or not it was that she had behaved in a way that was not. What what were his his words? It was something about how, um, you know, that she was unsafe in the way she managed her emails. Had that first press conference in the summer during mm-hmm. the election, and then said that they were reopening the investigation because they'd gotten these computers from. Anthony Weiner's wife, and there was more for them to investigate. He never had to do any of that. He was trying to appear as though he was being apolitical, and yet ended up politicizing it inherently, I thought. Mm-hmm. right. So I think that's there's right. There's been some really weird moments with the FBI and the executive branch, I think, in the last, in the last couple of years. Well, no doubt. I mean, the FBI's investigations have had a massive impact, certainly in the 2016 presidential election and beyond. I mean, obviously, um, we've spent a lot of time talking about the various investigations of Trump and his associates. So, uh, you know, from my perspective, uh, you know, going down that road more, encouraging it is dangerous. 
I tell, what, what happened to Franken, I view as a different story. Now, it's interesting because Trump, in one of these recent campaign rallies where he was attacking Dr. Blasey Ford, also essentially made fun of Al Franken for rolling over and not fighting these exactly. allegations. It, yeah, but but now, but here, there's multiple women who came forward against Senator right. Franken. Do you think, Patty, it was wrong for... Um, for example, for uh, Kirsten Gillibrand and other Democratic senators to come, coming forward and, and demand, demand that he sit down without an investigation. I did think it was uh, it was unnecessary. I, I thought the same thing, at least, you know, in in essence, uh, we, I would have hoped for as much as we received in this situation with Dr. Blasey Ford, where you interview and, and get more information to try to cooperate. I mean, people might when they are, you know, confronted with the facts or at least with the situation, have the ability to make better decisions. Are you saying that because it's the right thing to do or because Republicans wouldn't have done that on their side? I think it's the right thing to do. I think I, I, I absolutely did not agree with demanding Al Franken give up his seat without an investigation. Do you ever think it's appropriate? That's why I called my senator's office. Well, I, could... I, was, I was yelling at the guy. I, I didn't mean to be yelling at him. I'm like, what are we doing? You know, and and mm-hmm. and honestly, one of the uh, the young men who works in Dick Durbin's office said, "Well, you know, we have to be better." He actually said, "We have to be better than the Republicans," but this isn't the, the, we have, we haven't decided what better means yet. Better is why don't we go through the process? Well, let, but let me let's but let's make it a harder question because okay. okay, we all think I think we all want to do the right thing, and we can disagree about what the right thing is. Is it ever? appropriate to do the wrong thing because it will enable you to negate a political advantage as Republicans have by doing when they're doing the wrong thing. Here's the thing. Maybe it's what's the wrong thing publicly. I I may be, uh, you know, a cynical Chicago girl, but I believe at some point, you know, politicians make wrong choices throughout the course of a week, a day. I don't know when they come up to it, when they have to pick, you know, one thing over the other. I think they make wrong choices all the time and uh, and hope for the best. And I just I try to pick I try to vote for the people I hope make the least amount of wrong choices. But is it to sort of to in order uh, to take on the Republicans in a situation like this? I, it's hard to decide what's what's wrong and what's right at this point. They've, like you said, they've moved the line. I, we don't even know where the line is. I guess, from my perspective, to give you my thought on it, you know, one thing that it, I feel is that the most consequential president of our lifetimes may very well be the president that comes after Donald Trump. Oh, assuming that there is one. Um, wow, <laughs> that's dark. Yeah, it is dark. But assuming that there is one, I, I think that will be the most consequential president of our lifetime. Because whatever that person does will ratify whatever radical changes Trump has brought to our country. So, for example, a lot of historians credit now, with the passage of time, Dwight Eisenhower with effectively ratifying a lot of the, at the time, very radical changes that Franklin Roosevelt brought with the New Deal. Because when Eisenhower came in, Republicans were excited, finally we get back in power. And he made a decision not to go after and try to roll back the administrative state that was created by Franklin Roosevelt. You could imagine on, a, on the flip side, obviously, you know, here we have a lot of what I would view as very dangerous changes that Trump has brought to our country in terms of norms being shattered ethics rules not being followed uh, in terms of how the president conducts him or herself, dramatic changes in, in terms of our practice. 
you could imagine Democrats electing someone to, that comes after Trump who decides that that person doesn't need to abide by ethics rules. Maybe Democrats elect their own billionaire. Maybe Democrats elect somebody who's like, you know, we should investigate the Republicans now. Use the FBI against them. We should quash these investigations of Democrats. Well, that to me is the that that to me is a concern for America broadly. And I guess I'm an American first. And a Democrat second. Well, and there are administrations have had the opportunity or the option to do that. I mean, I, I know people talked about whether or not oh, President Obama could have gone after uh, President Bush and, and uh, Dick Cheney for some of the things that they did during their administration. And President Obama chose to move forward. And as you and then, you know, as you essentially said, is ratifying everything that they had done during their terms. Uh, I think that every administration has an opportunity to say, what do we do about the guy before us, right? Uh, <laughs> or what, And obviously, Trump has had no problem overturning, what was it, hundreds of executive orders under President Obama, has chipped away at the Affordable Care Act, has uh, diminished our, our standing in the world. Uh, I, th- I would hope that even if it was a Republican that takes over, they would try to stabilize where we are as a nation and what our, you know, not just not just what our, our power is, what uh, whether that's economic, military. Uh, I think it should also be even our moral, you know, ability to tell the world anything, to to stand, to, to hold our ground on anything. Yeah, I, I have to say, I certainly want the next president whether, like you said, whether it's a Republican or Democrat, to bring us back to a spot where we have a, a president who is building our relationship with our allies. I think even, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you because I know I'm just, I'm on a, I feel like I'm a, I want to go on a tear. Yeah. I want a president who's a president for all Americans, regardless of what party we're in. Because the, President Trump makes it very clear he is not the president for everybody. He is only the president for certain groups. And and he hammers that home every single time. When he stood on that stage and made fun of Dr. Blasey Ford, when he made fun of uh, an individual with disabilities, when he, ma- when he makes fun of anybody, he says that you are not who I stand for. And I would, I, you know, I, I don't remember Bush ever making people feel that way. I, apparently people felt that President Obama made them feel that way. I don't, I guess you can't, you know, you can't help how someone hears that information, but no one has ever been, I don't, at least as far as I can remember, has been as blatant as President Trump that he is not a man for all Americans. I, I agree with that. And I think that needs to be changed. I, what I wonder is w- whether or not some of his tactical changes ultimately are adopted by future presidents to the detriment of our country. And that is what concerns me. You know, I am certainly somebody who believes you, I, you need to, you know, certainly as a trial lawyer, when somebody hits at me, I hit back harder. Uh, Sometimes that may mean that they're um, skirting the outer edges of the rules and you do it right back to teach them a lesson that you are not going to have, you know, play with one hand tied behind your back. That's certainly how I am as a trial lawyer. I do think it's differently. It's different when you're come when you are dealing with matters that affect the country going forward. And I think you should be able to find creative ways to deal with that issue. So to, to use the example of the FBI investigation, there it seemed to me like a flawed process, and that flawed process emanated from the White House and well, really Senate Republicans via the White House. That is where Democrats should have been focusing their attack. I think they did to an extent, but it was too late, and they had already framed this 
as yay, you know, we have it. We wanted an FBI investigation. They almost put all of their eggs in that basket during the questioning. And I, if I was going to give a criticism of how Democrats acted, their questioning of Kavanaugh was focused heavily on the FBI investigation. I think there was seven or eight questions about that and not enough about other things. You, no one asked him, for example, about, you know, Kavanaugh, about his whether or not he was involved in that uh, at, at this thing that Ed Whalen did where he tried to pin this on someone else. So. You know, they, they focus a lot on that. And so then when there was an FBI investigation that really undercut the, the Democrats talking points and they weren't able to pivot quickly to really focus on the, constra- the constraints placed in the investigation. To be fair to them, in the beginning, they weren't told what those constraints were. I think they were finding out about them in real time with the rest of us. Well, and there was so much that we were reading, including the fact that he had reached out to, to some people when the bef- ahead of the Denise Ramirez story that he was trying to get people to, hey, you know, if any, if you hear about anything, make sure you do your best to to negate this, uh, deny that this ever happened, or that I behaved that way. And you know, whether or not that was corroborated by the FBI, I, I guess we'll never know. No, because they didn't go after any of the Denise Ramirez elements, did they? They only went out. They only talked to, as far as I know, Mark Judge was going to be one of their witnesses, a couple other people that she had named in the hearings. They and that was the extent of it. Right? They interviewed Ramirez herself. Oh, they did. They did not interview any of the witnesses. She, she identified 20 witnesses um, who you know, could, w- could provide some information right. that she believed was helpful. They didn't interview them. They didn't interview Ford or Kavanaugh. I think you know, to me, as an investigator, um, what, what really surprised me was a decision not to interview Kavanaugh. That's the hardest to defend. I don't really think somebody conducting an investigation of the allegations of any person would not interview that person. That's, that's a bizarre choice. And, you know, for, for Ford, I could see an argument. I'll, I disagree with it, but I could see someone with a straight face making the argument that she had answered so many questions during the hearing that it wasn't necessary to get into more detail. But with with Kavanaugh, he answered very few questions during the hearing. Uh, the, you know, the the questioning was chopped into five minute portions. The Republicans right. didn't really ask him any questions, and the Democrats there was a lot of back and forth and and contentiousness there. So, uh, you know, from my perspective, it was just indefensible. All right, so let's bring in Matthew Miller, uh, who we've been talking a little bit about during the podcast already. Matt, is, I believe his uh, stance is that the D's are being wusses. Is that? Uh, I think that, <laughs> I believe it's good. That, um, that's, it's not 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 quite, not exactly, <laughs> but you know, you're, you're you're in the you're in the neighborhood. Uh, uh, all right. Well, let me just say before I, we go further, uh, Matt is uh, an, an MSNBC contributor I, who I've watched many times uh, on that network, and also was the former spokesperson for. The DOJ. Thank you so much, Matt. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So, what what is it that you think the Democrats could have done differently in how they handled the FBI investigation of Kavanaugh? Sure. So, let me start by saying I, I do. I, we were joking a second ago. But I don't think it's that Democrats weren't aggressive enough because I do think they fought as hard as they could against Kavanaugh and, and played just about every card they could they could think of playing. But I think the one thing they they did leave on the table, and it's a card I think they've left on the table for you know a couple of years now, and going back to a, a few previous fights, is is to be a little bit more aggressive with the FBI. And and the reason I I, I say that is, look, we have you know there are two parties in this country. One party in this country has decided to operate in complete bad faith when it comes to law enforcement. 
um, to demand investigations, to demand prosecutions of the other party. And and that's obviously the Republicans. And the Democrats have basically just, you know, asked the FBI to, in every instance, just do what they they're supposed to do. And that is the appropriate thing. They should do that. But I think the problem is if the FBI and the Justice Department are only getting pressure from one side of the aisle, that's the side they're responsive to. And so I, I think, you know, one thing that Democrats could have done in this fight was to put pressure on the FBI from the beginning and say, look, this is a sham investigation. Uh, I, I trust that it's being dictated by the White House, but you know we don't want you to participate in a sham investigation. And if you do, there's going to be oversight. We're going to demand to know um, uh, the, the role you played. Uh, we want you to be public. We want you to be transparent, um, and to really put pressure in the FBI, not in a bad faith way, but in a really aggressive way. So at least they're they're feeling heat from both parties, and then more likely to to do the right thing in the end. Why do you think the Democrats hold back on making those kinds of demands or at least putting that kind of pressure well, on the FBI? Well, I think it's a couple things. One, uh, Democrats just have more faith in these institutions. Uh, it's kind of funny because the Democratic Party, if anything, has been the party over the years that, is question, that has questioned law enforcement more, especially on police tactics. Um, so, you know, it's still something that, that where the two parties diverge. You know, Republicans <laughs> are very, very rare to, to question on question the any law enforcement agency on policing tactics. Um, but I think Democrats have gotten kind of trapped in this game where if Republicans attack the FBI, Democrats feel compelled just by, you know, to do the opposite and defend the FBI. And the best example I can give you is on July 5th of 2016, when Jim Comey stood up and held his press conference about Hillary Clinton, you know, the aggrieved party in that instance was the Democratic Party, because Jim Comey had had completely violated FBI rules in attacking the Democratic Party nominee when you're not bringing charges, you're not supposed to do it. But if you watch politics, it was the Republicans that were acting like the aggrieved party. They said that he, you know, he was covering up for her, should have, you know, should have recommended she be prosecuted. They brought him up to the Hill. In this, this hearing two days later where Republicans were attacking him for not bringing charges, Democrats should have been the aggrieved party and should have acted like the aggrieved party. Um, and instead, they just felt the need to kind of defend Comey and buck him up. And I think because he was only getting pressure from one side, that yielded, you know, you fast forward a few months, it yields his October press conference because, again, he's worried about Republicans attacking him and criticizing him. October letter, I should have said, when he reopened the case. And, and there are other examples related to the Russia investigation where the same, same kind of dynamic has played out, where I think Democrats just feel like they want to defend these institutions that are under attack rather than to, to apply countervailing pressure to them. Well, you know, it's interesting, Matt. I do think that th- there has been m- moments and, and decisions that have been made by Mueller and his team that reflect a recognition of the political criticism from the Republicans and Trump. W- the one that really stands out to me is where— um, there was that letter that the, the uh, that the New York Times printed from Trump's lawyers to uh, Mueller's team that said memorialized their agreement in which Mueller said that before they opened up new lines of inquiry into Trump, that they would first notify Trump's lawyers. I have never heard in an investigation where you would notify the other side before you started investigating something. Very, very unusual. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. Another one is, is Rod Rosenstein asking the inspector general to chase down some of these conspiracy theories about the FBI spying on Trump before the election. You know, that's you work the Justice Department. That's not the job of the inspector general to chase down presidential conspiracy theories for which there's no evidence in fact. Um, and 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 it, I think it's a you know a, a troubling thing. And and when Rosenstein did that, most Democrats just said. Look, he's in a tough situation. He's trying to, to, you know, appease the president to keep from having the whole investigation get shut down. And I think the right thing would have been to criticize him for it. So he knows, you know, look, yes, you're under a lot of pressure from Trump, but that doesn't mean you can do inappropriate things to appease him. It's interesting because I, I think I am definitely one of those Democrats who appreciates the situation Rosenstein is in. And I, you know, I wonder if a lot of the the concerns that we have are partly because Democrats are in such a tough position right now. You know, as to the Kavanaugh nomination, I don't know if there was a, a, a thing that the Democrats could have done that would have really changed the outcome there. Do you think there there was? Do you think it was possible that they would have been able to get, you know, 50 votes against, 51 votes against? I, I, I don't know. And, and I'm, I'm not saying that being tougher on the FBI would have necessarily led to a, a different outcome. It would have made the FBI a little more nervous, though, and potentially a little more cautious. I'll put it. I'll just give one example. So, uh, and let's let's try to you know think about what the Republicans would have done in the same situation. Chris Ray was at Yale um, uh, with Brett Kavanaugh. Chris Ray, the FBI director, he was a member of the Federalist Society at Yale with Brett with Brett Kavanaugh. He um, uh, served in the Bush administration in the Deputy Attorney General's office at the same time. Brett Kavanaugh was in the White House Counsel's Office. Those are two offices that interact with each other on a daily basis. He's the person that was overseeing this investigation that Democrats, I think, rightly believe was a sham investigation. If the shoe were on the other foot, Republicans would have been attacking Chris Ray. They would have been calling for him to recuse himself. Uh, they would have been calling for him to, to guarantee that the investigation was full and fair and complete. And, you know, would it, if Democrats had done that, would it have led to a, a, a better outcome? Probably not, um, but it might have led, you know, if Chris Ray feels under that type of pressure, it might have led to him calling, say, Diane Feinstein, saying, look, this is going to be a fair investigation. Who do you want us to interview? Are there other people you think we ought to say? It might have, you might have seen more aggressive leaking from the FBI than you did. I don't know. I don't know if that's the case. I'm just saying mm -hmm. this is the, the the Republicans would have played these cards. And I think we're going to have to think about approaching law enforcement in the same way going forward. Well, but here's the thing, you know, just listening to you talk about what they could have done. It makes me wonder, Matt, what battle is big enough for the, the Democrats to step up? I mean, this was a pretty significant war to, to wage when it comes to the Supreme Court justice seat. You know, this is something that's going to affect us for the next 30 or 40 years. So it's kind of like, if not now, then when? So I will say it's not just a question of aggressiveness. It's also a, a, a strategic question. I, I've, I've made yes. this case. Look, before I, I wrote this op-ed last week, I made this case privately. I've been making it for, for a while. And there are some people who think, who just legitimately think, we shouldn't be pushing the FBI. We shouldn't be pushing Rod Rosenstein because that will give Trump an excuse to, to fire him. They just have a fundamental strategic disagreement that you shouldn't be pushing these institutions. You should be backing them up. And I agree somewhat with that. You need to back them up. But at the same time, I, I just know from serving in a senior political job at the White, at the Justice Department, you are responsive to the side you're worried about. And right now, the FBI and the Justice Department are only worried about Republicans. It's interesting. You know, in this case to me, this was an easier case because here the investigation was itself 
um, very problematic, to put it mildly. Uh, it was, you know, they didn't interview Kavanaugh, didn't interview Ford, didn't interview uh, a slew of witnesses that Ramirez had identified and so on. And so, you know, this was these were limits that were essentially placed by Senate Republicans and then transmitted to the White House. You and it really the the, the the tactical difference here is do you attack the White House and Republicans for giving the instructions, which is what I had done on Twitter and elsewhere, um, or are you do you attack the you know the the leaders of the FBI itself? It's a strategic question, but it's a righteous cause in the sense that the investigation is itself constrained. I, I wonder, you know, how far would you take that? Would you, if there was an investigation you had no reason to believe was illegitimate, would you still, would, would you still advocating using the same tactics if the political stakes were high enough? Look, that is a, that is such a difficult question. And I, it, it's not something I would be comfortable doing. Uh, look, I, 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 you know, like you worked at the Justice Department, I have great faith in uh, the Justice Department and the FBI, and, and think, you know, we ought to be fair with them, and we ought to treat them fairly. And when they're acting appropriately, we shouldn't, uh, we shouldn't delegitimize them and undermine them in the way the Republican Party um, uh, has been doing. I will say, however, there are, you know, kind of what I started with a minute ago, the Republican Party just doesn't feel that way. And they have a completely different strategy. It's this tough game, you know, this tough situation where you know, the two parties are playing chess and the Democratic Party is, you know, moving its piece, you know, its pawns down the, the, che- the chessboard one space at a time. And the Republican Party are like picking up the pieces and throwing them off the table and changing the rules all along. So I think the, the trick for us, um, we have to, to always act in good faith, and that's probably where it comes down to, is if you can in good faith pressure the Justice Department to do the right thing, um, you ought to do it. If you're moving to the, the land of, of conspiracy theories and attacking the FBI in a way that undermines it just for the sake of undermining it because you don't want people to have faith in its investigations, I think you know even if it's politically uh, expedient, it's just not the right thing to do, and that's the reason not to do it. You know, I wonder, Matt, aside from this issue, because obviously, and this is the reason I wanted to have you on this podcast, because I, so, I was so intrigued by what you wrote, but I wonder beyond this, there's a lot, been a lot of talk in the past few days from Democrats of we need to be fight tougher, the Republicans always fight harder than us, they fight dirtier than us, we don't do enough. Do you feel like this is a broader problem, or do you feel like that's overstated? Um, I think so. I, I think we fight in different ways. And here's what I mean. The Republicans have figured out that voters don't care about process, that you can change the process in any way. You can make it harder for people to vote. Um, you can block Supreme Court nominees for, for from for coming up for confirmation if you if it's from a, from a president of the opposing party. Um, you can do all of these things that are process oriented and voters just don't care. It's not what they vote on. And Democrats have been um, afraid to abuse the process in the same way. And I think what Democrats are going to have to do is, is figure out, look, uh, we're still going to fight for the same issues we believe in, but we're also going to uh, attack the process in a lot more aggressive way. And that means you know, things like voting rights um, uh, for D.C., you know, full statehood for D.C. and Puerto Rico with you know, four <laughs> new senators who would likely be Democratic. Uh, it means things like considering adding seats to the Supreme Court, which is a, a terrible thing to even consider. But I don't know how else you address the illegitimacy of a, a Justice Gorsuch um, a seat on the Supreme Court after you know, the nomination had been denied to Barack Obama. And there are a bunch of other things in that that vein that are kind of process uh, uh, oriented 
um, uh, actions the party can take that improves its stance in government. And I think you have to put all those on the table because the Republicans, it is the, the, the raw exercise of political power is basically the core Republican Party strategy right now. And Democrats have to do the same thing. Well, and it even sounds like uh, what you're saying is that the, the Democrats had an opportunity to to latch on to things that were legitimate, whether it was Ray or Rosenstein. Uh, they had a moment where they could have, you know, it didn't, didn't even matter about the process. They could have framed the messaging. They're not good at framing the messaging or dominating media the way Republicans are either. And that kind of goes to the strategy that you're talking about, doesn't it? Uh, it does. And uh, look, I mean, a little bit of this, we, you know, we're the minority party. And when you're in the minority, you have a lot of different leaders and you have a lot of different voices and no one voice is ascended. It's, it's a lot it's a lot uh, easier when you control the presidency and have you know one person to to focus the voice um, uh, of the of the entire party. Um, so uh, look, I think we have to fight on all of these fronts going forward. It means challenging everything they do, and and just putting pressure on independent actors. And, and I'll say, look, we're talking about law enforcement. Republicans have been doing the same thing, working the media for years. I mean, all of their claims about you know bias in the media is about you know, working the refs to try to get better outcomes. And now they figure out they can work the refs on law enforcement, too. And I think we have to respond. It, it is interesting. I, I will tell you, I am, you know, as somebody who cares a lot about the rule of law and, and, and cherishes the Justice Department and FBI's institutions, it bothers me that we could have an age where both parties are using the DOJ um, as a bit of a pinata and, and pushing it back and forth to try to get it to um, you know, conduct investigations that are politically advantageous. Uh, I, I, I don't want us to go that far, but I fear that that's the direction we're heading. And and ultimately, as you point out, we may end up uh, attacking the media, uh, and we have already kind of started that in the same way. Yeah, you do see it on the left. You see a lot of attacks on the media. Um, and, and look, the thing about the Justice Department, the Justice Department does make mistakes uh, and can be rightly criticized. It doesn't feel good when you work there. Certainly didn't like it when I did. And I think it comes back to how we do it. And it's always got to be has to be, you know, grounded in good faith and, and ultimately aimed at strengthening the institution, not weakening it. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Matt. I really appreciate you coming here. Some great insight. Thank you. Thanks you both. Uh, I thought that was such great insight from Matt. But Renato, you know, people are already saying, man, when the Democrats win the House and maybe they'll get the Senate, well, we'll just impeach him. Do you do you have any thoughts on what's going to happen next? Well, I, it really looks bad in terms of Democrats recapturing the Senate. Uh, Heidi Heitkamp's numbers are very, uh, very bad right now. She's down by double digits, and she's a Democratic senator in North Dakota who voted uh, against confirming Kavanaugh. So if she loses, it's almost impossible for the Democrats to retake the Senate. It's certainly, there's ways and scenarios in which you can come up with that, but it does appear unlikely. Um, and what, and as a side note, what that could mean is not only another potential vacancy filled by, by uh, Trump, but it could even mean in the, in the, in the years to come, um, more vacancies, you know, continued Republican control of the Senate. Uh, and then the, the, to me, the game is all about, you know, will Democrats retake the House? Uh, there is a lot of discussion. Republicans are saying that the confirmation of Kavanaugh is going to boost their numbers. The polls don't show that yet. Um, but ultimately, it is hard to understate how how consequential Democrats taking the House would be 
if it if that happened, they would be investigating Donald Trump immediately initiating investigations of him and his administration and blocking Trump's legislation and other and other programs. If that doesn't happen, I think it would be seen by Republicans as a way of ratifying the Trump agenda. And they would go, I think, even further, even faster, even harder. Oh, boy, it's going to be some uh, interesting uh, few weeks coming up before the elections. Thank you for joining us for this episode of On Topic. Please subscribe to this podcast, go to your app and review the podcast, and join us for our next episode. I'm Renato Mariotti. Until next time, let's stay on topic. 